I've just got a, a word that's been, I guess, burning me a, a bit over the, over the last few weeks, and, um, and I wasn't even sure if we were going to get to this this morning because, <laughs> as I said to these guys, uh, you know, every time I came to prepare some worship songs for the week, I just like, oh, this is great, let's do this, let's do this. So we've got a list, you know, that long, and so we thought maybe we might just spend the morning in worship and communion, but I do want to share this word with you because it really does, it really does carry on with what... Um, with what we've been singing and, and what Renee just shared just now as well. And it's really a, a word on confidence. Um, a few weeks ago, as the elders were praying one morning, I just felt, I felt the Lord um, drop into my spirit that, that he wants us as a church as a, and as people, his people, to grow in confidence. And when I say confidence, you know, sometimes it's a little bit of a, you know, an irky word. It's like, oh, no, I don't, wanna, I don't, want, I don't want confidence. I want to be, you know, I want to be in the Lord. You know, there's nothing, nothing about myself here. And so I'm not talking about self-confidence when I say confidence this morning. I'm not talking about the sort of, you know, the, the bravado, you know, the stuff that you see, the chest puffed out, like I'm, I'm, you know, I'm God's gift to the world right here. I'm not talking about that sort of empty confidence. I'm talking about confidence in God. And as I, as I did a little bit of homework on that, you know, there's, there's at least two words in the Greek that speak of confidence. The first is parousia. I'll probably pronounce that wrong, but it, it's, it, it speaks of, of boldness. It literally means freedom of speech or free speech, or it can mean to be outspoken. But at its heart is confidence. And this is, um, we see this all through the book of Acts. And in Acts 28, 31, we find that the very last verse in the book of Acts is Paul, the Apostle Paul, under house arrest, in Rome, saying that he's speaking confidently, he's preaching the gospel, he's being outspoken, he's parousia, he's speaking the gospel boldly without hindrance. Paul uses this word in 2 Corinthians 7, 4, my confidence in you is great, he says to the Corinthians. So, so an apostle, a church planter can say to a dysfunctional mob like the Corinthians, he can say even to this group of people that my confidence in you is great. My boasting in your behalf is great. I am filled with comfort. I am overflowing with joy in our affliction. The writer of the Hebrews uses the word, this word many times. In 4 verse 16 it says, Therefore let's approach the throne of grace with confidence with parousia, with boldness, so that we may receive mercy and find grace for help in our time of our need. And again in chapter 10, verse 35, he says, Do not throw away your confidence, which is a great reward. Paul in Ephesians 3, verse 12 says, In him and through him, speaking of Christ, in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. We can approach him, the throne of grace, with freedom and with confidence. I feel like he's stirring our confidence in this season. Yeah. Our, 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 our grit. Uh, not, not just, not just, you know, our, 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 our gritty determination, but, but more than that, a, a life that, that overflows because we, we carry a confidence in us, in who he is. Not in the year. You know, 2023, it's going to be the best year ever, as Renee shared. Not in a time, not in a season, but in him. Yeah. The second word um, that is often used for confidence in the New Testament is patho. Uh, it means confident. It means convinced or persuaded. 
In Romans 8.38, Paul writes, For I am convinced, or I am persuaded, or I am confident that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, and he goes on to say, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. And we've just been singing about that, right? We've just been singing about that. That was Paul's conviction that nothing can separate us. Nothing can separate you. No power, no height nor depth, no power. Not angels or demons, not the past, the present or the future. Nothing in your life, in your circumstances, in your experience can separate you from his love. Full stop. End of story. You know, go home. We can go home right now and go, yes. <laughs> confident. I'm confident in this, Paul says. And I love this in Philippians 1 verse 6. Being confident of, confident of this, he says, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Not only is nothing going to separate our love, his love for us, but he's actually carrying on the good work in us until the day of completion. Yep, That is a guarantee. Romans 15, 14, I myself am convinced, I'm persuaded, I'm confident, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with knowledge and competent to instruct one another. That's, that's another gift that he has given to the church. And we can say the same to you, that we are confident, that you are competent and gifted and full of him to instruct one another, to speak of the kingdom with one another, to bless one another. And so this morning, I just want to bring this word. I want, Holy Spirit, would you just stir in us your confidence in us, your life in us. Yeah. And so this confidence that we're speaking of today is, again, as I said, it's not a self-confidence, but it's a confidence grounded in who Christ is. Right? It's, relate, it's, it's basically faith. In fact, this word patho is related to the New Testament word for faith, pistis. Yeah. It means trust or, or belief. And as I thought about that, I, my, my mind was brought back to Hebrews 11 verse 1. All right? Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And again, you know, at, at the beginning of a new year, it's, it's, it's good. It's timely to ask those questions. Okay, what... What do I have faith for? What am I confident for? What, what are those things, those promises that God has given that, I, that, I, that I'm, be, I'm sure of, what I hope for, but certain what I do not see? And that's the, that's the NIV translation, and, uh, and it doesn't really do these Greek words justice. Um, and I looked at a couple of other translations, even the, the NASB and the ESV, that gets a little bit closer. It says that faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Um, but, but I'm not usually a stickler for the real old translations, but the King James Version really hits it home for me because of the words that the King James Version uses in this verse is more, is more concrete, less abstract, more concrete. Listen to the, what, what the New King James Version says, that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. This feels more concrete, doesn't it, than being sure of what we hope for or being certain. You know, that, that's nice and that kind of warms our hearts. But actually faith is the substance, there's something to it of what we hope for. Yeah, and the evidence or the proof of what is not seen. 
I, I love John Wimber's definition of faith. He said faith is, is spelt with four letters, right? R-I-S-K. And, and, and often we, we speak about that, right? To have faith, to step out in faith takes risk. Yep. And, and, and this side of eternity, when we don't see all, all the puzzle pieces coming together, it's, it's often, okay, Lord, I'm not sure how this is going to work out, but I'm stepping out in faith. I'm taking a risk. But equally important, this verse tells us that faith is spelt, yes, with four letters, but it's S-U-R-E. To be sure. To be sure. And, and where those two marry up, I'm not sure. <laughs> that's, that's a mystery, right? Because we don't see everything this side of eternity. And so, yes, we do. There are times when God calls us to take a risk, to step out in faith. But we do that when we are sure, when we know, yeah, because we know that he is trustworthy, that he is, that he is good. So these, these words, substance, the word for substance is hypostasis. It's literally an underlying or a foundation. It speaks of a legal standing, a title deed. There is grit, there is solid rock here to this substance of what we have faith in, who we have faith in. Things hoped for, hoped for, the word there is alpizo, which is an, it's, it's like the, the, the Old Testament word for hope, kavar. Yep, which is a twisting. It's not a passive hoping. It's not a wishy-washy hoping, but it is a, an expectantly, uh, expected waiting for God's fulfillment. And this evidence or this conviction, um, again, is concrete. It's not abstract. It's elenkos. It, it speaks of proof, of evidence, of certainty. And again, this side, this side of heaven, we don't see everything. But we have faith. We have confidence in the one who does. And as I was, uh, as I was driving around yesterday afternoon, I was just, just worshiping the Lord, just singing. And, and this, line came, this line came to me as I was, as I was just worshiping. And, and it was, not only are you worthy, but you are trustworthy. And, and often when we, when we come into the Lord's presence, when we come on a day like today and we come around the Lord's table, we're remembering his worthiness. We read passages like Revelation 5 where, you know, no one was found that was worthy to open the scrolls and, and then the lamb was there and he was worthy. And we said, yes, Lord, you are worthy and you have stood in the gap and you, you are so worthy for my salvation, for my eternity. But no, not only is he worthy to wipe our transgressions from our sins, from our life, but he is trustworthy in the now, in the present, in this season, in this new year. And so... Brothers and sisters, let confidence rise in you. Let confidence wash over you. May this season be a, a, a year where you step out in faith, taking, taking risks yeah, with wisdom, trusting God more, but being sure that he is trustworthy. And so how this gets worked out in a, in a thousand different ways, let me just share with you three, three ways that I just see this for our house. I see this for my own life about how the Lord may be stirring our confidence. Yeah. And the first thing is to be confident in the finished work of the cross. <laughs> the finished work of the cross. You know, he said it's finished, it's done, it's enough. Yeah. He, 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 the blood that he shed is enough to purify us from all of our sin, all of our wrongdoing, all the past, all the rubbish. It, 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 not, only, it not only 
gives us eternity, but, it, but it's enough for today. And so be confident in the finished work of the cross. And that, and that that is for you. Jesus died for you. He took your place. And so we can be confident in that. And, and that has outworking in our life, right? As we come to him, we, do, we don't come full of shame. We don't come with, with, you know, as a beggar. We come as a son or as a daughter. We come as, as those who are confident, who are, who are built up in him. And, and so that, that affects our prayers, doesn't it? When we come to him in, in prayer, yeah, there might be some, some business that we need to do with the Lord, some repentance that we need to do, but then, but then we, we receive the finished work of the cross for our life. We receive his blood for our life afresh, and we get on with the business of praying his kingdom to come. Um, there's a, a pastor, author in New York, Rich Velotis, I think his name is, and he, I heard him talking about this. He talks about the Lord's Prayer, you know, when we pray, um, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Oftentimes as Christians, we're praying that out of a sense of resignation. You know, we look at the world, we look at the needs of the world, the hopelessness, and we say, oh, Lord, you better step in here because, you know, if you don't step in, then we're, we're, you know, we're done for. And that's true, that's true, but there's a resignation to that. You know, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, Lord, because it's so bleak and it's so dark that you've just got to intervene here. Yes, yes, yes. But <laughs> he says, and it's just a great point, he says, actually, the Lord taught us to pray like that not out of resignation, but out of participation. That we trust in the finished work of the cross, that Jesus, his, his life, death, resurrection is enough for the redemption for the whole world, for the whole of creation. And that as we pray your kingdom come, we're stepping into that on purpose. Not out of resignation, but out of participation. Lord, because you have come, because your Holy Spirit is alive in me, because you long to see revival in this place, and I say and I declare, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thy will be done in my marriage. Thy will be done in my family. Thy will be done in my workplace. Thy will be done in, in my town as it is in heaven. Let your kingdom come, Lord not out of hopeless resignation, but out of active participation. Why? Because we're grown in confidence yep, that his blood is enough, that he's done it. That's what we do whenever we prayer walk around Nambour. Um, not, it's not on tomorrow, but next Monday, if you want to come, quick little plug, 7.30, meeting in town square. We gather with other believers from other churches, just a small group. We go out two by two, and we're praying for an hour. Thy kingdom come. Let your will be done in this business. Bless this business. Bless this home. These people on these streets, Lord God. So let confidence build in you. Let him build confidence in you this year in your prayer life. That Jesus' blood is enough. Second area is the confidence in what we carry in him. What we carry in him. 1 John 2.28 says, And now, dear children, continue in him so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. John says there, continue in him. In another place, John writes, where Jesus said, remain in me or abide in me. We continue in him. And, and as we grow in him, as our character grows in him, as our confidence grows in him, we see our, our character and our competence grow or our gifting area grow. And so even, even this year, even when you are wronged this year, in, instead of being offended, may you take the wrongness done to you as an opportunity for you to grow in character. 
in Christ-likeness, as you remain in him, as you continue in him, even if it's by a fellow brother or sister. When a fence comes knocking on your door, just, no, I'm not going to, I'm choosing not to be offended. Lord God, how do you want to work your character in me through this moment? And, uh, and see his life come alive in you. But also your gifting, your competence. You know, passivity sucks the life out of a life of faith and confidence. And so let me encourage you to look for areas where you might be stretched this year, where your faith might be stretched, where your comfort levels might be stretched in areas of, of serving as Jesus would serve. Confidence is really the intersection of authority and humility. Authority and humility are those, those twin um, values, characteristics of the kingdom of God that he calls us to walk in. Too much authority and not enough humility becomes, you know, you look arrogant and egotistical. Too much humility and not, enough, not walking enough authority means that your gift is left unseen and, un, and uncovered and, and you're not actually being useful to the kingdom. But authority with humility is just a beautiful marriage and that's where confidence is, the intersection of authority and humility. We see that in the, in the life of the centurion you know, who, who went to Jesus and said, my daughter is sick and you know, just give a word. You know, I understand authority here. Just give a word and she will be healed. Jesus was amazed at his faith. He was humble enough to go to Jesus, to this rabbi, but he understood authority, authority and humility. You know, that's what, that's what Peter arrived at post-crucifixion and resurrection. You know, all through the Gospels we see Peter, you know, entertaining ideas of authority, wanting to be the best, you know, the outspoken disciple. But it's not until he's really humbled that night that Jesus was crucified by denying his saviour that Jesus then reinstates him, but he's got this beautiful marriage then of authority and humility. And when he's, when he's arrested by the Sanhedrin, he's basically saying, well, you can arrest us, you can kill us if you want, but we're not going to stop preaching this name of Jesus. Beautiful. Stephen was you know, enlisted as a deacon, as a servant, as a waiter <laughs> in Acts 6, humility. But we see him there at the end of Acts 7 with this amazing authority as he's preaching the history of Israel to his own people. This beautiful, this beautiful working of authority and humility. And so this year, this season, how can the Lord stretch you? How can he grow your confidence as you step up in areas of service, of leading, of, of ministry, of, as, you, as you choose to mentor, as you choose to bless, as you choose to speak the kingdom to one another? Yeah, do it with authority and humility. And the third area I want to share is, Again, it's just these are all interrelated, but confidence that the Lord would grow confidence in each of us in stewarding the good news in our own lives, that we would steward the gospel in our own lives, being, being ready to pass on our faith, to share our faith with others. In 1 Peter 3.15, a, a well-known verse, he says, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Always be prepared. Always be ready. So what's your testimony? What's your story about, good, about the good news of Jesus? How does the good news of Jesus intersect with your life? And it, and it doesn't have to be the story about when you got saved. It can be the story from this week. 
Give me this, an ongoing story. As we're alive to him, as we're continuing in him, there's no shortage of reasons for us to give him thanks and to count the, the blessings that he's given to us. And we can just share that matter-of-factly, naturally with others. And God's been really good to me this week. I've just seen his hand in this area. I was struggling with these, with these emotions, with these feelings, with these thought processes. But you know what I did? I, I just prayed. I just spent some time in God's presence and his peace just came over me. Maybe, maybe that might help you as well. So, you know, biblical discipleship is not just, you know, us growing into spiritual maturity, but biblical discipleship is spiritual maturity and spiritual multiplication. What Jesus has done in us is not meant to stay with us, but is meant to be passed on. May he grow us all this year in confidence in stewarding the good news. In our, own, in our own lives. This was, this was the story of the Samaritan woman, right? She spent five minutes with Jesus, had one conversation, and then, and then she goes and she tells you know, her township, come and, come and meet the man who told me everything about my life. And that, that draws him in. That gets him in. But then later they say, to, they say to her, you know, we don't just believe in this man because of what you told us. Now we've seen for ourselves. Yeah? And so your example your testimony, the good news that you steward in your life and at times use words to express can be a catalyst to draw people into you know, a, an interest, a, a, a curiosity. Who is this man Jesus? He's not just a swear word. <laughs> what? Isn't he just like Muhammad? No, he's, actually, he's different. He's alive and he gives life. Come and meet him. See the changes made in my life that we might grow in confidence in that area. And this is where, again, humility and authority intersect here. You know, humility means that when we're in that vein, we, we, we're very careful that we practice what we preach, okay? There's nothing worse than a, you know, you're preaching all this, but then you're not actually living it. Yeah. So we, we have a humble posture there. But authority means that we actually also, we preach what we practice. Yeah. We choose our moments, but we... We've got the confidence you know, of who he is in us and I can put words to this truth that is in my life and share my story, share my testimony that others may be drawn in to meet him. Matthew 5 verse 16, Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Go back this week and read, uh, reread through Hebrews chapter 11. You know, the, the hall of faith, the Hall of Fame of Faith, if you like, all these, all these wonderful examples. And, and read those examples because there's a mixture there of those who, who, who the writer calls, you know, uses as examples of faith. And some of them, he says, many of them did not see what was coming. You know, they, they lived as foreigners in a foreign country. And so, and so they didn't see what was coming. But, but the other examples of faith in there, you see, obedience is a key issue. And again, that faith is not just some, some wishy-washy pie-in-the-sky you know, idea, but actually there's substance and there's evidence to it. And our part in that is walking in obedience, walking out that obedience. And as we do, we see the hand, the faithful hand of God in our lives. <clears throat> We're going to... I guess we'll come around the Lord's table. I guess we will. 
as we come around the Lord's table today. Just invite you to reflect on his character, his nature, these emblems that he's given, this bread and this wine, this reality of his life, his death, his resurrection, his body and his blood given for us. Because, you know, you guys know this, so that as, we, as we partake of communion each and every time we do, we're taking into ourselves his life, death and resurrection afresh. We're taking into ourselves the reality that, that his work on the cross is enough. It's finished. We're reminding ourselves as, as we do that, that his life is in us and our life is wrapped up in him. And so as we come, do, do whatever business you need to do with the Lord this morning in confession and repentance, any business that you need to do in the house, if there's anyone that, that has an offence against you that you need to make right, then invite you to do that. If they're not here or if it's not, if it's not possible for you to do that right now, then make determine in your mind to do that at a later stage. But then you come and as you take and as we participate in the Lord's life, death and resurrection afresh, just take into himself his life. Let, let faith rise. <laughs> let, let confidence rise in his finished work, in, in who we are in him, in what he's placed in our lives to do, in, in the story that he's given us to live out and, and to tell. He is worthy, but he's also trustworthy. So, Father, we thank you. For your kingdom. We thank you, Lord, for all of eternity. And we thank you for that you stepped into time as Jesus, as a Son of God. But Jesus, that you lived and you died and you, you gave your life for us as a perfect example, as a perfect sacrifice, so that we may live, so that we may be forgiven so that we may be washed clean, so that we may be filled with you and with your life, Lord God. And so as we eat and as we drink this morning, we invite you by your Holy Spirit to come and remind us and refresh us of all that you are and all that you have for each one here. Lord, on purpose, deliberately, we eat and we drink this morning and we remember you. We proclaim your death, Lord, until you come again. What a glorious day that will be. What a glorious day. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Amen.